Oh boy, when I came in this morning to kind of look at things to set up, I looked, brought one of my Bibles I used to use, and the print was so small I couldn't read it. My eyes were water, and then I looked at this, and man, I got to pull this way up now so I can read my notes. So uh, it's been a while since I preached last time, probably about four years. But hopefully we'll remember a little bit of what we learned then. And as Tim was talking about, that Doug had preached the last five weeks on what the Bible doesn't say, and today we're going to preach on what the Bible does say. And this is one of my favorite verses. Uh, John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Father God, this morning I would ask that you would help us to understand what it means to have life to the full. Lord, we know how much you love us, that you would give your son Jesus Christ, that we could have life. And Father, we just ask that your word would speak to us and the Holy Spirit would touch us. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you want to, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. That's where we're going to be doing most of our uh, educational work this morning, I guess you could call it. The idea that having life to the full has two distinct meanings. The first one, and, and what this verse is usually talking about, is the fact that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which, I mean, so that kind of opens and closes the argument right there that he is the only way to find eternal life. But the second one, the second meaning of, of what, what it means to have Life to the full is life while we're here on this earth. God wants us to have an enjoyable life. He doesn't want us to have every minute of toil and, and strain and, and everything else. And I, I believe that the four things that are most important that we have to the full are peace, hope, love, and joy. Joy is the relationship that we find in Jesus Christ. And I looked up in the dictionary when I was preparing, and it said one of the things, or one of the world's definition of life to the full is being so busy with activities that you're only about gaining more and more in your physical life. That's a bad definition, if you ask me, because I don't want to be that busy, for one thing. If I have to work harder to have life to the full, is it really? Doug talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that, that we'll have trials in life, that everything isn't going to be peaceful like we would want it to do. When I say life is going to be full of peace and hope and joy and love, that's true, but it isn't always going to be easy to get there. In fact, he taught that, that God wants us to go through struggles so that we can keep ourselves humble, so that his grace abounds to us. So that we're dependent upon him and that we experience God's power. In fact, James says, consider it pure joy when you have trials of many kinds. Because that will grow you so that you'll lack in nothing. It'll finish the work within you. And, you know, to be quite frank, that is one of my least favorite verses there is. I don't want a life full of trials and struggles and toil. I want life just to go along in a smooth manner. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. 
But this morning I want to look at scripture out of 2 Peter that I believe is God's perfect design to get to that place of having life to the full. Turn if, you, if you've got there or haven't gotten there yet to 2 Peter 1. And I'm going to read the spoiler or the end first. Verse 10. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. It's a promise. And I believe that's what life is to the full. That we'll never stumble. Now let's go back to verses 3 and 4. His divine purpose has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in his, the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Did you catch the first line? He has given us everything we need for a godly life. That's pretty amazing to me that everything we have has been given to us. The question is, have we accepted it and applied it to our life? Is your number one purpose to have a godly life in Jesus Christ? To have life to the full while upon this earth? Do you want the promises of God to come alive in you? Do you want to know what it means to have the Holy Spirit working in your life and life to the full? That's a big question that we have to ask ourselves. And here's the perfect plan. It comes through verses 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness Knowledge to your knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to god godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And your tongue can get tripped up on that. If you pro possess these qualities in ever-increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So they always have to be increasing. They can't stay stagnant. And this morning, I, I hopefully that I can show you a way how to keep your, your faith always increasing. Because personally, I don't want to have an unproductive life for, for Jesus Christ. I want to be effective in the way I live. And maybe help others to know eternal life through Jesus Christ and and to have a more full life of their own. The very first step that we're going to look at here this morning is faith. Faith is the foundation of our life in Jesus Christ. Can you go to the next screen? If you look at this, I'm going to build some steps here. But the very most important one is faith. It's assurance of things hoped for and the conviction convictions of things not seen. Faith is that point where we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Faith is where it all starts. The first step, as we read through there, is goodness. 
Now, if you look at goodness, or my definition of goodness, is moral excellence, virtue, and generosity. But more importantly, I see that as a transition point. It's the point where we move from men and women of the world in our attitudes and our behavior to men and women who want to walk with Christ, who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's that transition where we start to build into our life Jesus Christ. And that comes to our second point, or our second step, which is knowledge. And as I was preparing this week, I came to the understanding in my own mind that the knowledge that we need to have is not facts and figures. I mean, we can all learn the fact that Jesus lived till he was 33. Jesus died and rose again. Those are important things, but they're not what's going to grow us in our walk with Christ. We have to learn of the relationship that Jesus had with the people around him. We have to learn how, how compassionate he was for the people and how he served people. I mean, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Do we understand that? Because the knowledge of the person of Jesus is the most important thing. Because that's what we have to apply in our life. Facts isn't going to get us anywhere. It's the personal relationship that will build our walk with Christ. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to be in the Word, like Tim was talking about. You got to be in the Word. You got to be in prayer. You have to study it sometimes. I mean, I'm doing right now, I'm doing a read the Bible in a year. I've done it lots of times, but sometimes you just go from, pay, especially get in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and those places in the Old Testament. It's like, oh, I got to read this because. But the reality of it is we should be reading it because we want to know more about our Father in heaven and how he worked through so many people's lives and then how Jesus came and gave us life. So we need to add to our knowledge. After knowledge, we add self-control. To me, self-control was one thing that was lacking hugely before I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Self-control is not being overwhelmed by the daily trials of our life. Self-control is not flying off the handle or getting angry all the time at things that used to make us angry before we knew Jesus. Because now we have the knowledge of how we should react in situations because of our relationship with Jesus. When we're oppressed by someone being unfair to us, we can deal with it without losing control. We can grin and bear it because we know Jesus is in control. And we know through his word that he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Self-control means the thing that used to destroy us won't anymore. The attitudes, the behaviors. And it's only by knowing the person of Jesus Christ and applying that to your life. Step four, perseverance. And add to your, your self-control perseverance. Or a steady, persistent, in the course of action or purpose in spite of your difficulties. 
How hard is it to stay steady, even in the midst of great difficulties and hard times? It's not easy, but it's what we need to learn how to do. As working on this message, it came to me that, that Paul has taught us how to stay steady and how to persevere. Peter wrote this, but Paul had other teachings that said this, put on the full armor of God every day. Put on that helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Pick up the sword and your shield. That's how you persevere. Because the first thing you need to do is turn back to Christ when things get hard. Don't try to do it on your own. The interesting thing about this is that if you took this, these steps, and one of the ways I've looked at this several times is that if you had a, a mobile home or a manufactured home, in my day it was a trailer. <laughs> we, we lived in a couple when we first got married. But it had a slab in front, a big old slab of concrete. But, you know, I couldn't make that step from the slab to the trailer. We had to put in stairs if we ever wanted to get in the door. But the thing that always gets me about it is that if you had that faith as your slab, it was, you know, huge, but the steps were small. But the interesting thing is that it was all concrete. So being, a, you know, kind of a geeky guy, I always looked at concrete as the volume or the mass. And as your faith, or as you have your faith in concrete and the steps are concrete, the mass increases. And so it just grows your faith more and more and more as you get closer and closer to Christ. The interesting thing is what happens when, sometimes when you go upstairs, you fall downstairs. But if, if you got it right, you fall back on your faith. You don't fall into a pile of mud or muck or, or gravel or anything else. You fall down on your faith. And the faith is what helps you stand back up and go again. We're not just falling totally away from Christ or anything of that nature. We're falling on our faith. And sometimes that's, you know, it's easier said than done. But we have to stay the course. It says that these are things that are done in ever-increasing measure. And that's an important thing to remember. Step five, godliness. And I, if you see, it's got a little g, and that's not a typo. It's a somatic thing. Is that the right word? Yeah, close enough. But anyway, if you put a big G there, it would mean godliness. That we would be like God. And friends, I hate to say this, but that's not going to happen in our lifetime. We're never going to be as pure and absolutely holy as God. We don't really stand a chance because we have a, a human traits always alive in us. But godliness is a desire to grow into Christ's likeness. Godliness is a place where we've made a decision that we're going to live such a Christ-like life that people are going to see Jesus Christ alive in us. Now, I know some people are right, off, uh, right off are going to say, well, I don't want people to be looking at me. 
But the reality of it is that we really don't have a choice. If we claim to be Christians and follow Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have to strive to become more like him every day. It's a requirement. I know a lot of people don't want to, but when we read the finishing three verses, it'll, say, it'll tell us that we don't have a choice. We have to learn to walk like Christ walked. The following, or the next step is brotherly kindness. Add to your godliness brotherly kindness. Hmm. What's brotherly kindness look like? I think maybe the church motto fits right in here. Love God and love people. It's a desire to serve in humility and not just when it's convenient. Too many times today people don't have time to serve because it's not convenient for them. But the reality of it is, for serving Christ, we do it when the need is there more than the convenience. Brotherly kindness has a great deal of love involved in it as well. The final step, love. Add your brotherly kindness, love. Hmm. In the Bible, there's four different words used for love. The first one is Storge, which means a natural affection for. It's kind of like parents for their children, how we love our dog, that sort of thing. The next one is eros, this erotic love, and I'll leave that one for Doug. <laughs> the third is phileo, or phileo. It's a companionship type love. There is a giving and receiving of love. The one thing about this is it can fail. It can change. It's something you can't always trust. But the word that's used here and, and many other times in the Bible is agapo or agape. It's pronounced both ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's unconditional, without fault. It's hard to get a grasp of. But the word here in 2 Peter is the same thing. A love without fail, that's given it, without merit. Caring for people with such deep compassion. The other interesting thing is that it is a verb. It's an action word. We have to love with action and truth. It's quite a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's something that we have to work at. It, we start with our faith and we walk up these stairs. My interesting thought over the years has been this, is that it's exactly laid out perfectly. That you can't go from faith to unmerited love like that. It takes the work of making a decision to put more of Jesus Christ in your life. It makes the, takes the work of, of knowledge and searching out the truth of who Jesus is. It takes the work 
of becoming self-controlled in your daily behaviors, then learning to persevere and be more godly. It's a step, stepping stone. It just doesn't happen. It takes real effort. It's how we get life to the full, though. The question is, is that what we want? It's our decision. It should be as simple as, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and today is the day I have to give my life to him so that he will walk with me and strengthen me and give me life to the full. It is so good not to have to worry about getting so upset about little things that used to drive us crazy. There are still things that upset me, but it aren't the little things like it used to be. Some of the things that help to make this happen are attending church every Sunday, or most Sundays at least. I put it in the 95% category, personally. Because there are those ones where you're not going to make it because you're sick or whatever. The other ones, the small groups. I would encourage everybody to get in a small group. We've had some of the, the best small group discussions both Monday and Tuesday nights this year. based Because we're doing Monday night based on the sermons. And this really good discussion as Doug teaches, we spend... Well, an hour or so every Monday night discussing those things. And we've built relationships with, with the people in the group. It's an awesome time. The third is learn how to pray. Learn to pray the Jesus way. Not just on your own, but you know, the disciples were smart enough to ask Jesus how to pray. Why shouldn't we? Just that simple. Study God's word. Get into it and learn who Jesus is. Learn how much he loved you. This week I was reading in John, and in chapter 17, he prayed for the disciples, and he prayed for the, all the believers who are to come. You and I, Jesus prayed in advance for us. He prayed, and he asked for the Father to bless us beyond our understanding, to give us life to the full. Serve. Serve when you see a need, not just when it's convenient. That'll help you grow in your faith. There's nothing like seeing somebody that you help out being full of joy because they got help today. It's a blessing. And you may never even realize it till years later. You know, when you help with children's ministry and you see these kids go out of here and they grow up and you don't see them maybe for 10 years. And the next thing you know, they're pastors, they're missionaries. And you were influential in that. It makes you feel good. It makes you know that your life was productive for the kingdom of God. Which brings us to the bottom line. For if you possess these qualities in ever-increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed by their past, from their past sins. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do not do these things, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Personally, I don't want to be ineffective and I don't want to be unproductive for the kingdom of God. It's a choice. I've made the choice. And then I don't want to forget the sins that I've been saved of. Because I don't want to go back to where I was, where I was before. I want to have life to the full while I walk on this earth. And I pray that that's each one of our desires too, that, that we are concerned about eternal life and we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior to take care of that or to assure that. But the other side of it is Jesus wants us to have life to the full, full of peace, full of hope, full of perseverance in hard situations, full of love, and full of joy. That's my prayer today for each one of you. So let's close in prayer. Father God, I do pray that, that we would honor you with our lives. Lord, that we would set our, our selfish side aside and we would let Jesus have control. Father, that we would learn how much you love us, how much you care for us, and how much you desire to walk with us. We're not in this world on our own. We're with you. And Father, I pray that we understand that you do not change. You are the same today and forever. And you care deeply for us. You love us. Father, we just ask today that it would, the Holy Spirit would work into people's hearts this morning and, and challenge them where they're at. You don't have to live like you did before. You can live full of Christ. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand if you would.